You're listening to Interviews, the podcast that cracks the entrepreneurship code. I'm your host, Laurent Autain. I'm an entrepreneur, coach to entrepreneurs, and startup mentor with more than 20 years' experience running companies and advising entrepreneurs. Being an entrepreneur is the most difficult job there is. There are no practical guidelines. So join me every week and learn how you can better navigate your entrepreneurship journey and become an exceptional entrepreneur. Hi, this is episode 96 of Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. My guest is Brian Clayton, CEO and co-founder at GreenPath, a US-based online marketplace that connects homeowners with local loan care professionals. GreenPath has been called the Uber for loan care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 100,000 active users completing thousands of transactions per day. Brian is an novice entrepreneur. Before starting Green Pal, he founded Beach Tree Inc., one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, growing it to over 10 million a year in annual revenue before it was acquired by Lusa Holdings in 2013. And so before I ask the first question to Brian, log on to my website and download your, your copy of my ebook, The Entrepreneur Mindset, Seven Tactics to Avoid Being the Bottleneck in Your Business. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a global remote company that has been providing marketing and communication services since 2005. Their goal, help you thrive in the new normal. Log on their website to learn more, socialprize.me. Hi, Brian. Thank you very much for joining me today. Lauren, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Great. All right, let's start. So tell us a little bit about your, your journey becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, so uh, I appreciate the intro. Great introduction. I am currently CEO, co-founder of GreenPal, which is the Uber for lawn mowing. So a homeowner needs to get their lawn mowed rather than calling around on Craigslist or Facebook. They just download GreenPal, pop their address in, and somebody comes out and mows their yard for them. And I guess you could say GreenPal is a 10-year overnight success. My two co-founders and I have been at this for almost a decade, and now we have over 200,000 active users doing multiple eight figures a year in revenue. We self-funded the business off of its own revenues. We haven't taken it on any outside capital. And, uh, and, and it's been a hell of a journey uh, getting this business going from scratch. But uh, before GreenPal, I actually had a landscaping business. I, I, I ran a lot. I started mowing grass in high school as a way to make extra cash. And stuck with this little lawn mowing business all through high school, all through college. And over a 15-year period of time, built a, a full-fledged landscaping company, over 150 employees, over eight, uh, $10 million a year in revenue. And 2013, sold that business and then took some time off and then rolled up everything I had learned in that business into starting the Uber of lawn care. So 21 years in this one industry, uh, two businesses, eight, over eight figures in revenue. Uh, I've kind of learned a lot the hard way on how to get a business going from scratch. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. How did you become an entrepreneur, though? So I was actually forced into it. Kicking forced into and it. <laughs> yes, forced into it. Forced into it. Uh, 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 kicking and scrimming by my father. Uh, in the mid-1990s, he came into my bedroom when I was playing uh, Super Mario Kart. And yeah. it, it, it rudely interrupted me playing Super Mario Kart. Said, get off your butt. I've got a gig for you you are going to go mow the neighbor's yard. And he made me go mow the neighbor's grass. I wasn't living in a democratic household 
And uh, luckily he did that because I made, I made $20 uh, for one hours of work, which in the mid nineties was incredible money. And, uh, and ever since then I was hooked. I was, I thought, you know what, this is the, this is the way to do it right here. Cause I can just work as hard as I want, make as much money as I want and be in charge of my destiny. That hit me at a very early age. Thanks to my dad forcing me to go mow the neighbor's yard. Otherwise, uh, there's no telling how different my life would have been. Yeah. <laughs> Today, what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur? It means, uh, it means a lot of things. It means, it means more risk, more reward. It means uh, being in charge, having agency over your life, uh, mm-hmm. being in charge of the direction in which your life takes. For me, my business has always been the vehicle that I kind of attach myself to that takes me places in life that I never would have been able to go if I was working just a traditional job. So for me, it means, it means unlimited upside. It means uh, having char- taking charge of where, where my life goes and what challenges I take on. And, uh, and for me, you know, it's the only way, it's the only way to live life. Uh, I couldn't imagine working for somebody else. So I'm very lucky to have been exposed to that at a young age. It's funny when you're, when you're saying it's a, it's a, for you, it's a vehicle uh, to run your life. I became an entrepreneur like five years ago. And what I discovered about, about it is that I can really express myself. Like, you know, before I was running companies for others and you're always limited by, you know, you have a boss. <laughs> you can't do everything. Yeah. But now I can pretty much do everything, everything that I want that I feel like it's right. And I can go and try and fail. And I can say stuff that I, I, I couldn't say before. Hence this podcast, for instance. That's right. Like, you know, this, this freedom of, of really feeling myself. Yeah. Yeah. I stumbled upon this uh, old interview with Steve Jobs, maybe in the late 90s, early 2000s, when he was taking over Apple the second time. And he explained it in such a way that made sense to me. He said that once you see that you can that you, know, you can build your own things and that you can make your own things that people use and get value from. And essentially the way he put it was you poke life. You can poke here and something pops out here. Yeah. And once you see that, and once you see that you can really do anything you want, that these people who are successful around you are no smarter than you are, that you'll never see it the same way again. And uh, that's the way it's felt for me uh, many times in the last 20 years. And, and you know, spoken from the greatest. Uh, the way Steve Jobs puts it in that interview is just so eloquent that it made sense to me. So, so tell me, you started like 21 years ago, you said, I think. How, how, how were the early days like? You know, when you don't know how to pay for the bills, <laughs> when you don't have the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been many of those, uh, many low points uh, and a lot of high points throughout the, the journey. Uh, I remember one time running my first business, I had like 150 employees and there was one day where payroll was due on Monday and payroll was like $180,000 and it was Sunday night and I had $19,000 in the company bank account. And so I wasn't able to make payroll the next morning. And that was a really, 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 really hard point of the journey. And I kind of had to just you know, rally my team and, and promise to make everybody whole and figure out ways to recapitalize the business, figure out ways to get through it. But, you know, looking back, you know, that was 10 something 15 years ago. I'm glad it happened. Uh, I'm glad that I went through that at the time it was really hard, but I'm glad that I went, I'd gone through that because it, it, you know, it made me a better entrepreneur, made me, made me uh, not want to make that mistake again, not have to experience that again. And so, and so I think if you look at like your entrepreneurial journey and the context of a movie, and know that there's going to be ups and downs and that you as the main character are like going over these challenges and overcoming these obstacles to get to where you're trying to go. 
And that, you know, when you're in those low points that every story is going, you know, the main character is going to go through those challenges and that that's what makes it interesting. And know that in five, 10 years, you'll be glad it happened uh, is how it's made sense to me, you know, particularly going through the COVID crisis, you know, a lot of small businesses were, were, were really, really hurt by that. And, you know, I imagine five or 10 years from now, every one of those founders would be glad that happened because they'll be in some better place having gone through this, 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 this whole ordeal. And so for me, like, if you can look at it in the context of a storyline and know that there's going to be ups and downs, it kind of helps reframe some of the low parts. So if we, if we look at your, at your movie, your, your storylines, what are some of the, uh, the, the key tipping points that you remember? Yeah, when I, uh, when I sold my first business and, and I, didn't, I, I didn't retire, but I, I could have, I, but I took like a year off and I got bored and I realized something about myself that I was wired to want to be in the game, that, that, that my business was the thing that caused my life to be interesting. It was the thing that caused me to keep pushing forward and growing and, and learning new things and tackling new obstacles. And so that was like a tipping point for me because that cl clarified a lot of things. Um, when I started GreenPow, the, my, my personal kind of psychology was, well, this is my best idea and I'm just going to be working on my best idea no matter what. And, and that got me through a lot of the hard years early on when the business wasn't working and it was kind of like pushing on a string or pushing a rock up a mountain. You know, I knew that I learned something about myself that, hey, this isn't about money, although that's how we kind of keep scoring business, but this isn't necessarily about making money this week. This is about my life's journey and I'm working on my best idea. I'm building a team around executing against this best idea and, and everything else will kind of take care of itself. And that's what got me through those first four or five years. And, and if I had not had that mentality, uh, if I had the, the more traditional mentality of we're not making money, this sucks, I hate this, I'm quitting, um, I might not have made it through. And so, and so learning that about myself to, and, and learning how to manage my own psychology was a key tipping point in, in, in my journey for sure. Did you manage? Because I, I, want, I want to ask because this is so difficult to do. Oh, yeah. How do you manage through like the, yeah. the, the, early, the early years? It's really Really, it was really hard. So in the early days of GreenPal, it was kind of naivete as an asset. I didn't know how hard it was going to be. I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so yeah. the, you know, the challenges were just overwhelming at times. But uh, the way we kind of got through those early years was just focusing on a, one or two or three things, and that's it. Not worrying mm -hmm. about anything else. So it's like we made $1,000 last month. We are burning $50,000 a month how do we get to 10 and let's not worry about anything else other than getting from a thousand dollars to 10 and what are the things we got to do to get there and i think a lot of times in in business we get overwhelmed by all of these big things that don't matter when in fact we need to look at what level of the video game that we're at you know like looking at it almost like a video game and and like, like 10 level super mario brothers and just work your way through one level at a time and the problem is a lot of us as founders and i've been guilty of this we're, we're worried about bowser and you, you really are just on level one, like you need 10 customers. And so don't do Don't worry about anything other than getting those 10 customers and learning from those customers. And so that's kind of how, how we managed to get through the early days. The other thing is we did was we just try to learn from as many people on, you know, around us and online uh, that were going through similar experiences who were also building other apps, other startups and learning, like, how did they get their first 10, hundred thousand customers? What did they do? And the good news is like these days, all of this information is accessible. There's people mm -hmm. talking about these things, you know, and, and talking about how they executed and, and, and you can access all this for free. And mm -hmm. so like literally going to YouTube university and, and learning these things and, and applying them to our journey 
was how we just grinded our way for the, for, through the first three or four years, not making any money, uh, hustling together a, a, a hundred customers, a thousand customers. Now we have over 300,000 uh, and, and just focusing on a little small wins along the way. And uh, is how we how's how we got through it. Now um, I don't want to I don't I don't think I want to do it again, <laughs> but but uh, I'm glad we, I'm glad we didn't give up. <laughs> and when when did you see that the, the big the big uh, switch when it started just to boom boom? So your job as a founder uh, a lot of times is you know every level of the game is is one of a as of a capital allocator. So mm. what that is it means is like money comes in, however small money it could be a hundred dollars, money comes in. And then you figure out how to make money go to work back out. And so, so you're, you're, you're taking what little capital you're getting into the business and you're putting it to work in contractors, freelancers, uh, products or services or things to help you move the business forward. And so once we kind of really figured out how to, how to delegate responsibilities and make a little bit of money and delegate those responsibilities back to really, 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 really well-trained uh, professionals who can execute at things like SEO and, and backend and front-end development, and mobile app development, and design and copywriting and A-B testing and all of these different things. You know, in the early days, you're very much a generalist and you're kind of half-assed doing all these things yourself. But yeah. as you start to make a little bit of money, you can put that money back to work out into the, into the marketplace. And once we kind of figured out that unlock, it was like a force multiplier and we were able to move a lot quicker. I like your, the analogy you're, you're making with uh, the game. The video game, no? level one, okay, passed. You know, because at, at the end of, of every level, you you often have a the monster that you need to kill <laughs> yeah. to, to go to the next level. That's right. So, so it's the same the entrepreneurship journey. Well, I'm going to kill the monster, and then I'm going to move to the next level. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, and, and and every level has a new boss, and it's always yeah. harder. And you think you think you're on a level like, wow, this is easy, and then you get to the next level, and you're like, wow, this is really hard. And uh, a lot of people stay stuck on level five or six or seven, you know, they never yeah. get to Bowser and, and maybe that's okay. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's made sense for me. Maybe, maybe growing up in the eighties and nineties and playing Nintendo for, for 50 hours a week has warped my, my perception, but that's how I've experienced it. Oh, well, your father caught you playing a game. <laughs> I think he unplugged it. <laughs> oh, well. I think he ripped the cord out of the wall. <laughs> that, was, that was a good move. <laughs> So, so what's next now for your, your business? Where do you want to take it to? You know, we are, we are driving towards $100 million a year in revenue. That's what we're wow. monotically focused on. But we have to get to, to nine figures to really be what we call is like uh, this the default option for people needing to get this chore down. So it's like Instacart, DoorDash, uh, Uber Eats, uh, uh, you know, Lyft, uh, Airbnb, until we're in the same kind of category as these default apps that just, you just, okay, why the hell would you call somebody to come cut your grass? Just download Green Pal. That is what we're driving towards. And we believe $100 million is, is the tipping point for, for to become uh, in the lexicon of the English language. And so that's what we're focused on. And I think, I think we'll get it in three or four years. Uh, we're self-funded, you know, we haven't taken on any outside capital. So we're growing the business off of its own revenues. And uh, in my opinion, that's the best way to grow a business. And, and it's one of the reasons why we're here today is because we've self-funded it. So earlier in the conversation, you mentioned, uh, you know, the business and some sort of a, an extension of, of your life. Uh, but also I've seen, I've seen some pictures of you. Oh, I'm looking at you right now through the video and you seem fit, like very, mm. very fit. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, is it something that 
has it always been the case? And has it helped you being you know, a better entrepreneur? I definitely believe so. I wish I could tell you that I was like David Goggins, monotically focused on this my whole life. And, and uh, the reality is, is, is that I've been, uh, when starting Green Pal, there was a one point where I reached 300 pounds. And I, I realized, to your point, I when realized. When was that, 2013? Uh, it was probably three years in. Yeah. Uh, so maybe 2015. Um, I had just, I, you know, we were, working, yeah. Yeah, we were working seven days a week, uh, you know, living on ramen noodles and garbage food and not exercising. And I, you know, everybody says this, but you don't really understand it until you experience it. Like your performance at every level, at every facet is tied to your physical uh, fitness and your fit and how you feel. And you really got to create a routine, a regimen, a lifestyle to keep that blood pumping to, to, to keep in good physical shape, uh, because it does enable you to perform better at, at every at other aspects of life. And so I noticed that and I, it was like 2015, I was 300 pounds and I just felt like crap. And I noticed I wasn't doing my best work. I was putting in the hours. I was putting in 80 hours a week, but but uh, my work sucked and I wasn't motivated and I thought something's got to change. I got, I got to do something. And my co-founder said, well, I'm going to run the, the, the marathon in April. At this point, it was January and I, I couldn't run over a mile. I said, well, I'm going to sign up for it and I'm going to buy the most expensive pair of running shoes that I can find and I'm going to commit to do this. And so just making those decisions, signing up for it, spending $300 on a pair of running shoes we're kind of like tripwires. We're like a forcing function almost. We're like, you know, they were the thing that, okay, now you got to do it. And uh, put in the training and, and ran a marathon. And so as, a, as I'm running this marathon and doing the training, I'm noticing all these parallels between uh, physical fitness and exercise and training and business. Yeah. And, and, one, and one in particular was like it's the concept of like consistency and momentum and not, not stopping. Uh, because when you stop in business, if you have no, if you have no work, if you have no revenue coming in, it's really hard to keep going. And, and, uh, and when you, when you're training for a marathon, you know, you, if you miss a couple trainings, a couple, a couple workouts, you know, it's hard to, to get started back. And it, particularly when you're running 15 miles on a Sunday that, you know, if you're at a stoplight and you're jogging in place, you know, what you come to realize is that it's harder to start again. So you jog in place at stoplight rather than, than stopping. And so it's like all of these like parallels between, between physical fitness, training, uh, and, and business in general and life really kind of became evident to me. And I thought, I'm never going back. I'm not going to let myself get out of shape again. And so I, I appreciate that. It's important to me. It's not easy as I get older, but it's important to me. <laughs> hey, again, I can relate to it. I, I fell into CrossFit in uh, 20, what, 2017. And I was too fat. I was drinking too much. And it completely changed my life. And, and, and like you said, I, I completely see the, the parallel between business life and and uh, sports exercises. Yes. And, and it does make me a better, like, I'm more efficient. Like being fit is absolutely fantastic. I see yes. it every day. I'm more efficient. I work better. I sleep better. I I, I'm, I feel sometimes that I'm smarter <laughs> than before. Yep. It is just so hard to get up at five, six, yeah. seven, <laughs> put on the running shoes. It's so damn hard but it's like, you're so glad you did it. And so exactly. it's, it's like, uh, it's sharpening the saw. It's, it's like that, that, that Abe Lincoln adage, you know, if I was going to chop down a tree, I spend nine hours sharpening my ax and one hour chopping. Whereas most people spend nine hours chopping and one hour sharpening the ax. So you kind of look at it that way, you know, reinvesting yourself. This is all we got, you know, like this yeah. vessel is all we got. You got to take care of it. 
What are you um, the proudest of? Oh, the proudest. Oh, well, uh, I, I, I work in an organization now, uh, 42 people, and every single one of them is smarter than me at what mm. they do. And so that I'm proud of. I'm proud of building a team that that is just full of like really, 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 really professional people at what they do. And that that has been something that's a lot of fun. I'm proud of the way we've built GreenPal is 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 it connects buyers and sellers, right? And 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 what we enable contractors to do, what we enable vendors to do with their life in terms of plugging into our platform, they can grow their business, you know from 10,000 a year in revenue to $100,000 a year in revenue in, in, in nine months. And we have so many stories of people like I was able to buy a house. I was able to put a kid through school. I was able to, to hire a new employee. I was able to pay off student loan debt, whatever. Like we have so many stories of that, of, of people being able to materially improve their lives uh, by working really hard at growing their lawn mowing business on top of our technology. And so that's probably one of the things I'm most proudest of is, is, is giving people kind of like, keys to a business in a box and so long as they work hard they can they can improve their livelihood that's a lot of fun um and and i guess i'm proudest of that you know my team and i just never gave up you know we the first five years were really hard with this business but but now here we're the market leader we're the we're the largest network of lawn care service providers in the country and hopefully we'll be international soon so it's been a lot of a lot of proud moments a lot of a lot of low points but but i'm glad that we stuck it out you, you mentioned uh, a lot of uh, a lot of um, uh, stories and also lessons uh, you, you you've learned. You mentioned people. You mentioned the fact that your resilience. I guess I could summarize could summarize that um, with this word. You also mentioned the the impact that you're making on other people. Are there any other things that you you see as you know key key success factors? Yeah, for me, you know, I think if you're doing business correctly, you as the founder should be evolving into a whole new person every like one, two or three years. And so for me, um, that's one of the key things I've noticed 20 years in business is that mm. it's caused me to grow and evolve and, and read books that I never would have read in a million years and take online classes that I never would have taken and learn things that I never would have learned. And um, one thing that I've learned is like to not believe your own BS. And so a lot of times, you know, just because I, I was a C student in school, um, you know, doesn't mean that I can't learn things like statistical analysis or front end engineering or back end engineering or, or uh, you know, uh, data analysis or, 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 or good or good bookkeeping or good or, or, or good financial analysis. All these things I had to be like 80, 20 good at. And so it's like, you know, when you go to school and you, you know, you suck at school and, and, you know, you, you think, well, maybe I'm just not an engineer or I'm not a, a economic person, or I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, a data scientist. So I, therefore I can't touch any of those things. Well, if you're going to, if you're going to make it in business, the reality is you got to like grind it out and learn these things. And so that's one thing I've learned about myself is to not believe my own bull, my own BS and, mm -hmm. and to just put in the work, learn enough about these different skill sets to be good enough to delegate them. And, uh, and that's, that's been very enlightening uh, in my life. Uh, and I'm glad that my business has caused me to experience that and understand that about, about myself. Yeah, plus it's fun to learn new things. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's, where, it's where I think a lot of enjoyment comes from is like yeah. accomplishing something that's hard. I think a lot of uh, 
a lot of happiness and joy and fulfillment in life comes from accomplishing something that's hard and yeah. business is hard. And it's one of the, you know, if you're going to make it, you're going to have to grind through it. Yeah, indeed. Uh, one, one more time, I can relate to, to your story. When I was in school, I sucked at statistics and then I worked for 14 years in market research. <laughs> and then I enjoyed statistics. <laughs> yes. Well, you are, if you are, if you are good at and enjoy statistics, you are lethal, my friend, because that is going to, that is the, where the world's going. And, and that's how you can kind of like bend the world to your way. So I, might, I, t I tip my hat to you. <laughs> Thank you. Is there, is there any big mistake you can, you can share? Yeah, I've, of course, like everybody, uh, you yeah. know, you, as a, as a founder, you make them all, you make all the mistakes and you do it every way wrong until you do it right. Um, one mistake I made was around delegation. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, well just delegate, delegate everything. And the reality is you have to do things yourself for a little while first, Un understand how they work, get pretty good at them and then delegate. And there's two types of delegation. There's delegation by abjuration, which is like, I don't know how to do this. It scares me. You handle it. That's a recipe for disaster. Um, you need to delegate from stewardship, which is here's how we're doing this. Here's why we do it this way. Here's how long we think it should take. Here's how we measure the, the success of it. Here's when we want it back by. Here's how much we think it should cost. Here's how we're going to grade the quality. And here it is. That's stewardship delegation. And so a mistake I've made is, is delegating too soon. So like, for instance, building GreenPal, we, we uh, didn't know how to write software uh, when we first started. So we delegated everything to a development shop and that was a disaster. And so we had to learn how to build software and write code, do everything ourselves for a while. And then we could build out a team of developers and engineers around us. And so that was like delegation by abjuration. Don't know how to do it. It was a disaster. And it took us like four years to, to get to the point of delegation by stewardship, which is here's how you do it, do it this way, get it back, you know? And so that was a mistake I made. Um, and then delegating too soon and then delegating too late, because once we started to learn things, we just like held onto it for way too long and we didn't move quick enough because we didn't build out a team to, to, to delegate, uh, tasks to. And so knowing when to delegate and, uh, that's is a mistake that I've made and it's hard, it's hard. Uh, so you kind of have to almost like learn it the hard way first, and then you know how to do it. That's why second and third time and fourth time entrepreneurs always move quicker because they've made all of these mistakes. And so they can, you know, they can move quicker the second, third or fourth time around. You know, there are no overnight successes. It's like every time you, you look at somebody who's like done something really big and quick in two or three years, they, they probably crashed and burned on two or three other things before that. And they rolled all of that experience into the thing that did work. Yeah, or they had a lot of money that was given by their parents. <laughs> yeah, that helps too. That helps you. That helps you trip, fall, get back up. <laughs> That's true. Well, you're talking about delegation, but now I hear all my, my my clients because this is with my coaching sessions. You know, I talk a lot about delegating, and now my clients are going to tell me, oh, "See, I should not delegate." <laughs> yes, it's and that's the thing. You get jaded, like if you delegate to somebody and it goes all wrong, you're like, "I'm screw it, I'm going to do everything myself." Yeah. And then you know that you fall into that trap. Uh, there's a good book, uh, "The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People" by Dr. Stephen Covey, and he has a whole chapter on delegation. And like there's seven things that, that go into an effective life. And one of them is like the power of delegation. And uh, so that's a good book. Even if you just read that only chapter, only that chapter. If you take all this, you know, 21 years of experience 
what is the number one recommendation you will give to other entrepreneurs? Uh, focus on things that, that matter. And that's pretty, I understand yeah. it's pretty cliche, but a lot of times we get distracted with fake work and we get distracted with stuff that doesn't matter. For example, uh, when I started GreenPal, my team and I, before we even launched the app, my team and I spent months and months and months obsessing over what the brand was going to look like. And we had this brand mascot that we designed who was supposed to embody the service provider. And we spent like a month on that. And what was the color scheme and how would the colors impact the mood of our users and, and what the buttons looked like? And should they have a little shine here or should it be flat or should it have a gradient? And it's like, I wish somebody came in and slapped me across the face and said, you have no customers. Go get 10 customers. Worry about this other stuff later. It will matter at some point, I promise, but not right yeah. now. You need, you need, you really need a hundred customers, but at least go get 10 tomorrow, you idiot. So that's what I wish somebody would have slapped me in the face because we wasted so much time on things that didn't matter. So focus on the one or two maximum three things that matter usually it's around figuring out how to get more customers and people trying your product or service. The reality is that stuff is hard. It's not fun. It's a slog. It's a grind. And so we're resident to do it. And we do all of this other BS. It doesn't matter. And so that would be my one like key advice is try as it sounds it, every entrepreneur makes the mistake of, 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 of getting sidetracked on things that don't matter. So like be honest with yourself about that. And then, and then another thing I'll say is like, we have this, this concept of the pivot. And, and so now in, in one way is, you know, the pivot's great. A lot of, a lot of great businesses have been built off pivots, but uh, I think it's almost doing a disservice to founders and entrepreneurs because it gives them license to give up too soon. It's like, well, I built this thing and it wasn't a huge overnight success. Therefore I'm going to pivot to this other thing. When, when in fact, you needed to put in the work to get 10 or 20 or 100 customers for that thing. Then you could have realized something to pivot on, but they didn't even get there. So they quit too, too early and they pivoted and uh, they just pivot from thing to thing to thing for like five and 10 years and never get anything going. So be aware of that too. Amazing. Great conversation, Brian. I really, I really enjoy it. So my last well, question to you, uh, how can people contact you? Yeah, so anybody in the United States doesn't want to mow your own yard, just download GreenPal and the App Store or Play Store. Anybody wants to reach me, you can hit me up on Instagram, Brian M. Clayton. Just drop me a DM there. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. Lauren, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for listening. If you like this show, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform so you can help inspire more entrepreneurs. See you next time. Bye-bye.